0: The Best Worst Monster by Peter S. Beagle From the tips of his twisted, spiky horns all the way down to his jagged claws, the monster was without any doubt the biggest, ugliest, most horrible creature ever made. Since his master had put him together out of spare parts lying around the house, some bits of him were power tools and old television sets, while other bits were made of plastic and wood and stone. His fiery eyes were streaked red and yellow like the autumn moon, and even his ears and his hair had claws. "'There,' his master said proudly, "'aren't you a fine fellow?' "'Am I?' the monster asked. He had just seen himself in a mirror, and wasn't sure. "'You certainly are,' said his master. Then he sent the monster off to stamp the post-office flat, because the mailman never delivered any nice letters.' This was a real pleasure for the monster, with all the mail flying in every direction, and boxed packages crunching like toast under his feet. It was even better the next day, when his master ordered him to use his great claws to pull the town's dance pavilion to pieces, just because no girl ever asked his master to dance with her. That was as much fun as a birthday party. He tore down the strings of bright-coloured lights, and chased the musicians away, and jumped up and down on the bandstand until all that remained was a lot of tiny splinters and a few small shreds of sheet music. The monster was sorry when there was nothing left to smash, because he would have loved to do it all over again. That night, though, while his master slept, the monster sat outside in the cold, clear air and noticed something that troubled him. He could see quite as well at night as in day, so it was easy for him to look down the rocky slope of his master's home and study the town curled up in the valley below. He could count every leaf and tile, every window and chimney, and he could see the small dark gaps where the post office and dance pavilion had stood. They were like two hollow eyes in a mask, staring back at him. The monster didn't know much, being only two days old, but he knew that he didn't like how he was feeling. He wondered if there was something wrong with him. Monsters are afraid of wondering, so when morning came he went to his master and said,
1: Something is happening to me. I don't know what it
0: is, but it frightens me.
1: Maybe you ought to order me to build something today, just for the change, just until this feeling goes away. I'm sure it will go away.
0: His master was horrified and very angry, too. I can't believe this! he screamed at the monster. "'Are you growing a soul in that unspeakable patchwork body of yours? Well, I'll take care of that, and right now!' Whereupon he sprayed the monster from horns to claws to antenna-tipped tail with a nasty-smelling mixture called soul-away, which he had invented himself for just such occasions. After that he opened up the monster's intake valves and poured in gallons of another potion called soul-be-gone.' Then he fed the monster an enormous pill that didn't have a name and which stuck in the monster's throat. He had to climb up on a tall ladder and pound the monster on his back until it went down. There, he said, that should do it. A soul's no trouble to get rid of if you catch it early. I still feel all funny, the monster mumbled. But his master told him not to be a fool and ordered him to go out and pull up the train tracks because the whistle of the train was half a note sharp. And while you're at it, smash up the bakery. I practically broke a tooth on a walnut in a cupcake yesterday. Go. From that morning on, no matter how hard the monster tried to please his master, things kept going wrong. Sometimes he actually found himself being kind in a monsterish sort of way, like not trampling a home all the way flat, or making a lot of noise before he arrived so people would have time to run away. Once he even ran away himself, to keep from being sent to squash a whole school where his master was never asked to come speak at graduation. But he couldn't stay away because he got lonely, and that worried him even more, because he knew that wicked, soulless monsters were never ever supposed to feel lonely. Then one evening, while the monster was watching the stars and wishing he were someone else, his master called for him. After giving him an extra large dose of soul away, his master smiled and ordered him to go into town and find a poet named Beppo the beggar. When he found him, the monster was supposed to step on him, just as though he were a bakery or a post office. Why? Because he made up a song about me and I don't like it. Go and get him. Not his house, mind. Him. So the monster trudged unhappily away to trample a poet. He found Beppo the beggar lying on the river bank with his hands behind his head, watching the sky and making up a poem. Beppo's little dog, who was called Pumpernickel, was fast asleep by his side, covered by Beppo's ragged old coat. Beppo's poem began like this. "'We fish together every night, my Uncle Moon and I. We bait our hooks with dreams and throw them in the sky.' He looked over at Pumpernickel to see what his best friend thought of the poem so far, but the dog did not even open his eyes. Beppo sighed and chuckled. He tucked the coat closer around his pet and continued. "'My Uncle Moon, he catches stars, all burning white and blue, but I keep angling for your heart. No other fish will do.' It was only then that he looked up and saw the monster's foot poised high over him, hiding the night sky and all the stars." Beppo did not leap up, screaming and begging for his life. Instead, he turned to Pumpernickel and shook him gently awake, telling him, "'Run away now, little one. Take care of yourself, and remember me.' The monster stood on one foot, not moving, not saying a word. Pumpernickel got to his feet, looked at Beppo with his head tilted to one side, and then trotted off into the darkness. Beppo the beggar lay down again, smiling cheerfully up at that huge foot ready to squash him like a bug he asked politely, "'Would you mind very much "'letting me finish my poem? "'I think there's only one more verse.' "'The monster nodded. Beppo closed his eyes and considered, "'tracing words in the air "'with his right forefinger. "'After a moment he went on, "'But if I caught you on my line "'or in my net below, "'no matter you're my one desire, "'I'd always let you go.' "'He looked straight at the monster again "'and said, "'Not great for a last poem, "'but then I'm not exactly a great poet.' He spread his arms out wide, beckoning the foot down. "'It's a great river-bank, anyway,' he said, and he laughed. The monster's foot came down. Not on Beppo the beggar, but very slowly and gently on the ground next to him. Neither of them said a word, but after a moment the monster turned and started back the way he had come, along the road and up the stony hill to his master's house.' He stamped along as noisily as he could, and for the first time in his life he sang, making up his own music, louder and louder and louder, like a marching song. I don't
1: know if I have a soul, I don't know if I want a soul, but whatever Beppo the beggar has, I want one of those.
0: He was a really terrible singer. His master heard him coming from a long way off, and he knew exactly what all that racket meant. He stayed just long enough to grab up some monster-making tools and his one good suit, and then he ran out the back door of his house before his monster even got there. And whatever became of him, nobody knows. But everybody in town can tell you what became of his monster. That very day the monster set about rebuilding everything he had ever smashed to pieces— When he was done with that, he built a house in town for himself, a very big house, with a back garden and a bird-bath. After a time, people began to ask him to come to dinner. He always went, and was careful not to eat too much or stay too long. He even learned to dance in the new pavilion, in a monsterish sort of way. From time to time, though, he still felt lonely. On those nights, he would sit on the hilltop where his master's house lay abandoned, and ask himself questions with no answers.
1: Do I have a soul? Do I only think I have a soul? Does it matter?"
0: And then, after waiting just the right amount of time, because that's what friends do, Beppo the beggar would call up to him with a cheery hello, and Beppo's little dog Pumpernickel would jump up on his huge lap to lick his frightful face. And the monster would smile with his fangs and his forked tongue and his puzzled happy heart and he'd pick Beppo and Pumpernickel up and carry them back down into town on his shoulders, singing dreadfully all the way. This has been a Podcastle Miniature. The Best Worst Monster was written by the one and only Peter S. Beagle and was originally published in his short fiction collection, Sleight of Hand. Peter S. Beagle is the author of The Last Unicorn, and A Fine and Private Place. His story, Come Lady Death, was the first story featured here at PodCastle. The story was read for you by PodCastle's own Frankensteinian monster, who somehow, despite all those stitches, still has a lovely singing voice, Mr. Wilson Fowley of the Maple Leaf Singers. Thanks for listening.
1: I don't know if I have a soul. I don't know if I want a soul. But whatever Beppo the beggar has, I want one of those.